Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. While most Americans prepare to celebrate the country's freedom on July 4th, many black people in the United States recognize June 19th as their Independence Day. What's widely known as Juneteenth, but also referred to as Jubilee Day or Black Independence Day, is the significant date in black history when the last enslaved African Americans found out about their freedom. This is an ABC News special. Juneteenth. I'm Jamia Pugh. On this vote, the yeas are 415, and the nays are 14. The bill is passed. On June 17, 2021, President Joe Biden signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act, making Juneteenth a federal holiday in the United States. As I was walking down, I regret that my grandchildren aren't here, because this is a really, really, really important moment in our history. The historic legislation marked the first holiday signed into law since Martin Luther King Jr. Day almost 40 years ago in 1983. All right. On June 19, 1865, the last enslaved black Americans in Galveston, Texas, found out about their freedom more than two years after President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth is observed annually across the country with music, food, and traditions, such as the singing of the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Juneteenth also serves as a reminder of the injustices Black Americans continue to face and the decades-long fight for equity and equality towards the promise of a more perfect union. To honor the 157th anniversary of Juneteenth, we asked prominent black figures to reflect on what the holiday means to them. We start with Tony Award-winning actor Courtney B. Vance. Our people are, are great, and we started with nothing and came into something. And so any opportunity I have to, to teach, uh, starting with our, our children, about how great we are and how great our ancestors are and were, um, that that we, yes, things may be difficult now, but when you think, when you go past the first Google page and just look and see what we, our people had to deal with, and still they rose, everywhere they looked was a no. For Essence Magazine CEO Caroline Wanga, a woman of Kenyan descent, the holiday is about realizing what it means to be a part of the community. If you think about how long it took for Juneteenth to happen, then what are the things that you currently aren't celebrating that you should be that are already yours that you don't know about? 
And that's what I would love people to spend Juneteenth doing, is recognizing that that holiday was about the last of us finding out that we were freer than we thought. What I want us to do is never have to do Juneteenth again and celebrate all the things that are true about us that are already here right now that we just don't know about. Go Google something and celebrate that on Juneteenth. R&B singer Suzanne Christine uses the day to reflect on the past. You know, it just, it, it celebrates our freedom. You know, it celebrates the time that we were able to say that we were free, you know. And it's still a lot of things going on today, um, but it's really a mind thing, you know. And I'm grateful for our ancestors for fighting for our rights and fighting for us to be able to do what we do today, which is be able to share our love, share our music, share, um, share who we truly are without limitations. As for Naomi Rain, a member of the Grammy-winning gospel group Maverick City Music, she plans to commemorate the holiday by opening up honest conversations with members of her family. Everybody's kind of evolving how they're celebrating this holiday because some of it is just coming back like to light for many of us. Um, but now it's more about educating my children and letting them know the roots of our nation and talking about how, you know, freedom is for everybody. Going through a storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice. Freedom for all was certainly America's promise to its citizens, but the country has often failed to deliver on its word. Tulsa, Oklahoma's Greenwood District, often referred to as Black Wall Street, was a thriving community and the standard for economic success in what was considered one of the wealthiest black enclaves in the United States. Until May 31, 1921, when a white mob fueled by racial hatred burned it all to the ground, leaving behind nothing but smoke and agony. One hundred years later, Tulsa race massacre survivor Viola Fletcher sat before Congress recounting the horrific events of that day. Greenwood should have given me the chance to make, truly make it in this country. Within a few hours, all of that was gone. The night of the massacre, I was awakened by my family. My parents and five siblings were there. I was told we had to leave, and that was it. I will never forget the violence of the white mob when we left our home. I still see black men seeing being shot, black bodies lying in the street. I still smell smoke and see fire. I still see black businesses being burned. Today, there's a renewed effort to rebuild what once was. Several entrepreneurs of color have decided to move their tech startups to Tulsa, bringing back Black Wall Street as a tech and innovation hub. They built it up and then it was destroyed, right? And it was destroyed for a very long time. And we're just now getting back to the, the level of, I'm saying we already, like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there, but we're just now getting back to the level of prominence and displaying Black excellence within a city and what's capable or what uh, Black entrepreneurs and business builders are capable of. Nash Ahmed is the founder of Undock, a scheduling and meeting facilitation service that aims to help you better manage your own calendar. We help people find a good time to meet with each other. And uh, the product came to be uh, very simply, I was running a few businesses at the same time, uh, not smart. And uh, I had a call, I had another call on hold, and then a line of employees formed outside of my door and they had learned that that was the only way they can get five, 10 minutes of my time to try to squeeze it in that way. 
So I said, there has to be a better way for me to be more efficient in managing my schedule and for others not to be waiting for me in various queues. Ahmed is part of a program called Lightship Tulsa in partnership with the group Build in Tulsa that provides support, infrastructure, mentorship, and more to entrepreneurs of color. Recently, they launched a demo day where founders like Kelsey Davis, creator of a portfolio platform called Collective, showcased their startups. We're always looking to get connected with the most like innovative creatives um, and be able to hire them for projects. Um, and so when brands come to us uh, to source leads, we then use the data that's in these portfolios uh, to connect them uh, with creators. And so we're really that matchmaking tool uh, to connect creators and brands for opportunities. For B-Law, who created the social network Quirk Chat for all your fandom needs, and let's be honest, there's a little bit of nerd in all of us, building a business in Tulsa feels different. I think... We are now galvanized to really build the next generation of amazing Black startups here in Tulsa. Um, I love it so much. I ended up actually buying a house uh, here right off of Black Wall Street. So it's really cool that like while I'm building my company, I can also patronize a Black grocery store and a few other really cool Black local businesses. So it's just been very inspiring. Bottle Learning is a gaming platform for education founded by Edna Martinson and her husband Clarence in 2018. Today, they say they have more than 1.5 million registered students on their 3D gaming platform. Martinson says it's not only about growth, it's about representation. Just being a Black female entrepreneur and every time we talk to classrooms, elementary classrooms about what we're building, it's great to see the other young Black girls in the classroom, um, little Black girls in the classroom look at me and say, oh wow, like that's really cool that somebody who looks like me has built this. These entrepreneurs are some of the many leading the charge into the next generation. But as we reflect and realize that there was a time when none of this seemed possible, we asked them, what does Juneteenth mean to you? I think redemption is going to be part of my entire life story, but that is another redemption. Like we are, we were emancipated, right? And you know, I, I can't say you can't ask for anything more. There's nothing more powerful than being, than being given your freedom. Right? In the entirety of history, there's nothing more powerful for any group of people, oppressed or otherwise than being given your freedom. I'm glad that it's recognized as a holiday now. Um, it wasn't the case when I first moved to the U.S. Um, and I think just celebrating it with like friends and family, I think it's fun being in Tulsa for that. There's celebrations around that um, that the city is hosting. So that'll be a great time to, you know, partake in that as well. I have great grandparents who were sharecroppers in Alabama and North Carolina. So I've always known my history. So celebrating the 4th of July, it just never felt right. Um, so once we did find out that Juneteenth was a thing and kind of the history behind that, um, it was so important to us, but it was really hard to get other people to recognize it and kind of see the importance of it. So uh, the fact that it is a national holiday, and I actually moved to Tulsa last year, a few days before the first official Juneteenth it's just been amazing uh, just to see how people are now getting the days off and people are actually recognizing this super important part of our history. It may have taken an additional two years before news made it to Texas that slaves were free, but that moment in history has led to a lifetime of what could be when given a chance.
long before the Tulsa massacre, before Greenwood became Black Wall Street, first, it was a freedom colony, one of many towns free black people settled across the U.S. after emancipation. Andrea Roberts is an urban planning professor at Texas A&M University and director of the Texas Freedom Colonies Project. Professor Roberts can trace her lineage all the way back to Reconstruction, Juneteenth, and the Freedom Colonies. There's this picture I have. I'm eating a tea cake, and I'm sitting in my great-great-grandmother's lap. And what's so significant about this picture is I'm able to literally touch someone who was born during the Reconstruction era. After June 19, 1856, hundreds of thousands of free black Texans, like Professor Jackson's great-great-grandmother, began to buy land and settle new communities called Freedom Colonies. They were towns settled by free black people between Reconstruction and Jim Crow, so from 1865 to about 1930. They were places centered around land ownership, black collectivity, and safety from racist terror. These communities are communities where you had early African-American landowners who lived together in clusters for safety and developed these communities around a church or school or some anchor institution and sustained themselves independently, often in very secluded areas and rural areas throughout Texas. Nowadays, some of the settlements have become fully incorporated places like Shankleville, Texas, with their big annual homecomings and celebrity descendants, like ABC's own Michael Strahan. Shankleville community named for Jim and Winnie Shankle, known as first Newton County blacks to buy land to become local leaders after gaining freedom by emancipation. But there's also Bull Run and Toledo Bend, places that never made it onto official Texas state maps. And when the Great Migration of the early to mid-20th century happened and millions of black Americans left the South, many freedom colonies faded into people's memories. Now we see dilapidated buildings where there used to be a thriving church or unmarked graves where there used to be cemeteries. These places live in the memories of descendants, what Professor Roberts calls intangible heritage. Often all you have is the memories. All you have is the oral history. All you have is the word of mouth. But now, thanks to the mapping and historic preservation work Professor Roberts and her graduate students do, we have an atlas of these places, documentation of their historic sites, and names of the free men and free women who settled them. Beyond the practical effects of this work, Professor Roberts says it provides a complete picture of what freed black men and women have accomplished. We associate African-Americans purely with urban places that they were forced to live in. We think of urban planning as happening to black people, but don't recognize the capacity of African-Americans to actually create, develop, and sustain their own independent communities. Professor Roberts recently led a talk on the history of Texas freedom colonies at the Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. It was clear that she left the audience inspired to look into their own family histories. For Adrian Fikes from Alexandria, Virginia, Juneteenth itself is an invitation to do that family research. To really explore their family history and see how their family stories connect to public policies, connect to 
places and spaces that we are trying to protect and preserve because most of the times we see stories and there are descendants who have no idea that they are connected to those stories. And for J.C. Howard, who himself has Texas slave ancestry and might have ties to the Freedom Colonies, too, the lecture really resonated in a personal way. Juneteenth meant it was finally over, finally. I mean, years after it was over for many other people who looked like us, who may have even been blood relatives of ours in other states, in other territories, it was over for two years. And then finally, it was over for my grandmother's grandmother. She was born into this, and on Juneteenth, she was finally free from it. Finally, we talk with the woman who vowed to highlight the resiliency of Black people in America. My conversation with 91-year-old humanitarian Zernona Clayton started off like this. Dr. King used to say all the time that he didn't believe that all white people hated us because they just loved to hate. It was his opinion that some people might have hated us because they just didn't know us. Clayton has a long history in the civil rights movement. She investigated employment discrimination with the Urban League, wrote a column for the Atlanta Voice, was good friends with Dr. Martin Luther King and his wife Coretta, and became the first black person in the South to host a regularly scheduled primetime television talk show. She's maybe most well-known, though, for creating the Black Focus celebration show, The Trumpet Awards, which will air on Juneteenth. Well, I know it's a funny thing I tell people all the time. I think I've done uh, some things that were momentous, but people pick out the Trumpet Awards. They always oh, she's, that's Miss Trumpet, Miss Trumpet. Everybody remembers Trumpet Awards. Everything else has kind of been forgotten. Um, but that's okay. Born Zernona Brewster on August 30th, 1930, with her twin sister Zenobia, Clayton was raised in the segregated small town of Muskogee, Oklahoma just 50 miles from Tulsa's Black Wall Street. I grew up in a very positive environment that um, we knew we were segregated. We knew what, what it was, but we never had the violence that usually followed. She says that was the result of the protective upbringing by her part Indian mother and father who, despite his identity as a black man, was highly regarded by the city's white community leaders. They would come to our house all the time because they respected my dad. For instance, if a, a boy got in trouble and he needs to go to jail or be uh, sent to the prison or something, they would come to my dad and said, is he worth saving? Clayton says her parents were decent, honest people who saw that through us children, we could help make a better world. And that's exactly how she spent the next few decades, teaching children in Chicago's public school system speaking, sometimes quietly but often unapologetically, on inequities in corporate America and serving politically and civically to help establish equal treatment for all. In 1957, Zernona married her first husband, Ed Clayton, the Jet magazine editor who stopped the presses to put Emmett Till's bludgeon photo on the cover. After, Dr. King and his wife, Coretta Scott King, recruited the Claytons to work at the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, a civil rights organization. I've um, uh, fulfilled commitments um, through the work of Dr. King and uh, I became an integral part of the organization. In 1966, a year after relocating to Atlanta, 
Clayton's husband died, but she said, I never left SCLC once I became a member. They trusted me implicitly. She drove Dr. King to the Atlanta airport ahead of his flight to Memphis two days before his assassination. She tells people of their close-knit relationship. Once I met him and went to work for him, I stayed with him to the end, literally. Clayton once got a key member of the Ku Klux Klan to renounce the white supremacist organization. She was also the driving force behind the International Civil Rights Walk of Fame at the Martin Luther King Jr. National Historic Site in Atlanta. For more than 50 years, her profound accomplishments have contributed to the advancement of America's promise of liberty and justice for all. And while she couldn't quite answer the question on the legacy she'd wish to leave behind, she did offer this piece of advice. Don't occupy space on Earth as your contribution. Do something. This Juneteenth special is a production of ABC Audio. Produced by Aaron Ferrer, Lakia Brown, Vika Aronson, and Tara Gimble. Special thanks to Iru Ekpanobi, Susie Liu, John Newman, Scott Goldberg, and Liz Alessi. For ABC News, I'm Jamia Pugh. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.